Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. This year, the conference is taking place June 10th, 11th, and 12th, 2020. We'll interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software projects inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Mac DevOps Podcast. Today, we have our co-host, JD. How's it going, JD? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great in my fortress of solitude, <laughs> surrounded by all my best friends. Shauna, how's it going? Hi. You know, hanging 10, just chilling. Have you yeah. finished your work day? I have. Oh, my God. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and today's special guest is Joel Rennick. Thank you. It's uh, exciting to be here. I uh, yeah. Still, fingers crossed. Well, we're not going to meet in person. Well, maybe not all of us, but... Uh, <laughs> There's a bar, a secret There's underground a- <laughs> bar. <laughs> we, could, we could still do something there. I've got a lot of flight credits now. Uh, <laughs> a lot of flights that I... I well, I was supposed to be in Australia. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a pretty pricey ticket that I've traded in. Uh, for X World, I don't know if you've ever been down to Australia for X World. Um, Never. It's there. Uh, they've got a Mac conference put on by the Apple University Consortium. It's actually kind of a cool uh, backstory. But so they do a conference there once a year. Um, that's been now moved back to October. So the flight that I had in February, I was kind of like looking around for. Well, when else should I go to uh, Australia? So I moved it back there. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. Well, we're gonna do Mac DevOps online this year. Yeah, which is gonna be exciting. I, uh, you know, some people have been a little, um, you know, we've been chatting with a few of the other people that are in the circuit, right? And uh, a few of them are like, oh, I don't know if I don't have a live audience and stuff like that. So I, I don't have those hesitations. You just turn the tap on and start talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that presumes the tap gets turned off on occasion, right? But uh, <laughs> you know, that's not always the case. Well. You were a speaker one year at Mac DevOps. You did a Nomad Talk, and then you did another year. You did a Swift yeah. uh, workshop. Did uh, we had? I still believe that um, the hackathon uh, that we had. I, I've I've tried to model some other hackathons after that. What we had kind of put together a number of years ago, where instead of kind of a bunch of individual projects all kind of working on separate things, we had more of a themed. Uh, right part to it. And I, I really kind of like that because I think we got some, uh, there's still some tools that I still use on a daily basis. Um, maybe not daily, but at least weekly that were kind of come out of that. And I thought, yeah, that was-, that was 2017 when you were a speaker and you did, <clears throat> you helped with the hackathon. Yeah, that could be right. Cause I think I've been up there twice. Um, yeah. Uh, 2017 because Michael Lynn was there and there was the great rivalry, Python versus dun, dun, dun. And now look, <laughs> Apple has removed Python from the system. Right? <laughs> What's next? Swift? Very clear that Swift has won uh, that little uh, battle. Uh, certainly if you're on a Mac. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I claim victory. <laughs> Ouch. I think we'll have to invite Michael in here and uh, get his opinion. Allow well, now, himself. <laughs> now with Mr. Lin being at a particular fruit company, uh, I'm not too concerned about coming him coming on podcasts and defending himself. So I think <laughs> you uh, cheap shots here. 
definitely. I did my time in that barrel, so I feel it's uh, okay to be able to uh, to return the favor on occasion. It'll be interesting if we could figure out some kind of online uh, interactive hackathon. Yeah, that could be cool. I mean, you know, speaking of which, um, we probably don't want this to dominate the conversation here, but certainly it will, you know, in this, in our COVID times that we are now. Um, it was, it's been f- interesting because like the first week of being at home, it was like, oh man, this is great. Uh, I was a lot more productive because everyone was still kind of in shock and like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, no, this is perfect. Uh, just keep the calendar free. I can do some really cool things. Um, and so like every week I've been trying to come up with a science project, you know, something that, uh, I wouldn't have otherwise have done or wouldn't have necessarily all the time to do. And it's, I'm not trying to work this into the, maybe the con, uh, the topic at hand, uh, but certainly the conversation or the talk or the session or whatever we're going to call it virtual thing, uh, for Mac DevOps was going to be around the single sign on extension. And I was hoping, fingers crossed, that by then, you know, Microsoft and Okta and some of the other ones would have those out there. Uh, well, good news is at least one of those might happen. We can talk about that later. But I said, you know, I've got some time. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trapped in a room. Let's get some real work done. So I wrote a single sign-on extension. Um, and it was, it was actually a whole lot of fun. And I was so very productive. But then, like, week two, uh, all the conference calls crept back in. <laughs> <laughs> And suddenly we were, you know, four or five hours a day on, on one of five of them, right? Between Zoom and WebEx and Ring Central and Blue Jeans and uh, Google Hangouts. And so you're spending so much time you know, making sure you've got the right conferencing software and downloading all the updates as they've been coming out quite fast. Enabling and disabling the accessibility microphone. Exactly. <laughs> And so last week wasn't uh, as exciting, but then uh, a couple of days ago, uh, Tim Perfin and I were chatting and, and he was kind of in the same place where he had been uh, like, I just, I need something to do. I need a project. So we kind of put together a list of some really cool stuff uh, that we'd like to, to put out there. And so um, hopefully, you know, lemons into lemonade, right? Or uh, limes into uh, gin and tonics. Uh, we can turn this into uh, at least some positive aspect out of it. Uh, about being to focus on these things. And so I actually think that is pretty cool because, you know, certainly out of Mac DevOps out of uh, Penn State, which, you know, got canceled. Um, So, uh, you know, there were some really cool things done at some of those hackathons and there's some good projects out of it. But I I think that's actually a really interesting idea is how we could do this virtually. Um, I know a few things at work, we've set up just open WebExes because sometimes it gets a little lonely kind of just being in your house. And so we just leave a WebEx running. And at first it was a little awkward because you're like, nobody's saying anything, but you're like, well, nobody's saying anything in the office either. So you can just every so often look up or hear somebody else typing. And it's kind of oddly comforting uh, to have some of that going on that you're, you know, you're no longer Charlton Heston in the Omega man or something like that. <laughs> uh, it's something I, I saw my daughters doing because um, they go to a French school Mm-hmm. And none of the kids live in the neighborhood. And so to hang out, I had to get a MyPod so they could iMessage each other because they could. Mm-hmm. They don't have help phones. And then what I saw them doing was they would have FaceTime on and they were just watching YouTube together. So they'd all yeah. come home after school on the bus and they're waiting for their parents to come home and they're all just, they would just have FaceTime and they're just watching a YouTube or just doing a shared experience. And mm-hmm. so I think that they've showed us the way. We just need an open portal to talk to other humans. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there was a, there's some company that makes these like big mirror looking things. They're like magic mirrors or something like that. And they ended up, they were a live webcam back to some other pair, right? So uh, if your parents were like very far away and you just wanted to have them around, you can have this magic mirror sitting in your living room. And every so often you'd walk by and you'd see your parents on the other side watching TV or something like that, right? And we were actually kicking around using this for a help desk. Right. Because especially as you go to remote offices, maybe you've got a satellite office, which is 20 or 30 people. You can't run a genius bar there. Uh, It's just not enough traffic. Right. So could you set up this uh, live webcam portal uh, and you'd have like one IT staffer behind a desk with like four of these portals to all different parts of the world? And, you know, uh, users would just come up to their end and say, Hey, you know, can you help me out here? Uh, And we were even looking at like a KVM switch over IP. So they'd be able to plug their machine in on the remote side and it would kind of show up on a monitor uh, under the help desk. So uh, that was, uh, that was interesting. We never got it. We we never got that far with it, but now times are much different. Sounds Uh, better than help desk tickets or multiple emails to (laughs) people trying to explain why something's important and then getting that email forwarded to multiple levels of other people and then. (laughs) Correct. Well, and one of the things was like, you know, just, hey, plug your machine into this KVM and walk away, go get a coffee, lunch, whatever else. And, you know, this very talented remote tech would figure everything out for you. Um, So, yeah. uh, Wow, we've really gotten very far afield in a very short period of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that uh, some of my uh, friends that uh, work at Sony here in Vancouver, they've been operating with uh, KVMs for a long time. And because mm-hmm. times have changed, they could just like walk home with their KVM plug in and they're still connected yeah. to their remote computers. <laughs> <You> know, <it's> <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly because in editing bays, right, that was always a big deal because you wanted to keep the loud, noisy things very far away still have the ability to uh, do some of that work yeah i mean i've done that before with different ones but these ones were like in a different like geographical area so that's a whole nother uh level of uh, awesome definitely definitely but you mentioned you're you're cooking up some stuff with tim perfect huh yeah we've been um he and i have you know obviously done a lot of things we were both together at apple for a while um and have continued to kind of collaborate uh, since then um, and we both seem to have this kind of perverse interest in some of these smart card or smart card adjacent things. Um, and recently I've been doing a fair amount of work around FIDO um, and getting FIDO kind of deeper and more uh, useful on the Mac. Um, and then different ways of not having to necessarily carry around dongles and things like that to be able to use FIDO with your devices. We showed off a little bit of that at, at JNUC a little while ago, but we've been spending a lot more time on it and that the whole FIDO process, it's a PKI interaction with some certificates, uh, very similar to smart cards. And so we've both been kicking around some of these things. And uh, he and I were on the phone the other day and he was talking about, he's got this cool little project uh, called Identity Manager. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's really Yeah, cool. which is... Building your cert yeah. packages. I love that. I love that concept. It's uh, It came out, again, of some conversations we had and some of the stuff that I was working on for Jamf and... We're kind of looking at this and I said, this is a really cool idea, but we're never, this isn't a product for us. Uh, we wouldn't be able to productize that and do anything with it. And he was kind of like, well, this is really cool, but I don't know if anybody would really need it. Uh, and, and now he's, it's, it is really slick. And especially if you're running a very large build farm, right? Doing iOS builds and things like that. 
um, it means you've got much easier management of your uh, certificates from the Apple Developer uh, Program, uh, which otherwise, you know, uh, various people do this various ways, but a lot of times these certificates are just copied down in plain text onto your build systems. And uh, it's not overly complicated for a slightly uh, malicious developer to just grab that entire certificate and walk off with it. Uh, so being able to use this and have your certificates kept in an HSM or something back in your data center is really kind of cool. Um, you know, we had some other thoughts about this, which would be, um, you know, I could have a machine that I could log in with a smart card, but the smart card would be in the data center. So if I wasn't on a secure network or if I wasn't physically connected to that data center, I would not be able to log into my system at all. Uh, and so there were some kind of cool other aspects that you could do with this. Um, and one of the things that we were kind of kicking around was the concept of, especially in these remote times, if you are an organization that has smart cards, you've not been very mobile focused. Um, typically, these are environments that are very locked down, very secure, usually government agencies, banks, finance, these kinds of things. And so the concept of like trying to do, you know, ARD is maybe not the best example, but it's an example of doing a remote login session or something like that to a remote system, like or kind of what you're talking about with the KVMs is a little weird because how can I get that smart card to show up on the other machine? And so we were kicking around the idea of kind of a Mac to Mac instead of coming what identity manager is right now, which is it appears virtually on your Mac, but it's really stored in a data center. What if it appeared virtually on a remote Mac, but it was really coming from your local one? So now you'd be able to use your smart card or a virtual smart card to sign into your Mac, uh, you know, at your mom's house, right? I mean, that's again, probably a bad example. But that concept that I could appear on another machine and be able to use that smart card to sign in. Um, and there's some really kind of cool things and it's not a heavy lift. And maybe prior to as much remote work, we would have looked at it and said, oh, that's kind of clever, but uh, I don't know if it's really that functional. Uh, but now we're kind of like, oh, it's, not only is this clever, it's interesting, it's uh, achievable, and uh, it may actually be useful. Um, you know, and if we can, uh, you know, do something, uh, it keeps us busy. So uh, that's good stuff. Well, you're a tinkerer, and so is Tim. I finally had a few moments to play with his MDS product. Yeah. Mac deploy stick, now Mac deploy server, and kept meaning to poke at it, and then had a, a few minutes the other day, a few free, and I finally set it up, and I've been using Monkey and Monkey Report for a long time, but it was a nice new, different way to set it up, and yeah. it was like, oh, give me your key, and we can sign packages for you, and he, he did a really neat amalgamation of Graham Gilbert's imager with mm -hmm. Greg Nagel's installer bootstrapper mm -hmm. and then put it together with, Oh, I'll throw in monkey monkey report. And I'll, <laughs> you want to sign those packages? And then, and then it was quite the neat little, um, I think it was, yeah, it's just a great little project. And, and it's even got a hardware component to it. Right. And you don't often like anymore. So much of stuff is virtualized or it's just an app or something else like that. So you don't really get to play around with hardware, but yeah, that hardware aspect is really, really pretty cool. Uh, the Arduino that he built yeah. like a little automaton. Yeah. Yep. That just punches keys on a virtual keyboard. So, uh, you know, the right things get pressed down. Uh, like back in the day when, like when I was an Apple trainer, um, we had to set up all these labs full of Macs, right? You'd have, uh, you'd 
you bring a laptop and you'd run OS 10 server, like 10.3 on it. And uh, it would have a net boot server. And so you'd have these images that would, you know, uh, image the Macs. It was kind of fast, but not super fast, right? But you had to boot all the Macs by holding down the N key for network boot, right? Or net boot. And so we ended up like I would carry a collection of uh, like washers or double uh, A batteries were pretty good that you could just rest on that key because sometimes you had to hold it down there for a little while and you didn't want to mess around with that. Uh, so this is kind of a modern day equivalent of that, uh, that you no longer have to put uh, weights on individual keys on the keyboard, uh, but you're able to uh, just kind of plug in an Arduino. It's pretty slick. A half stack of dimes is what I use. Half stack of dimes. <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought maybe JD, you'd been through that yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, trust me. When I was uh, in the service world, I wanted something like this that I could just do the command S or mm-hmm. whatever whatever the commands were that I needed to for the boot options. And now we have that. I don't mm-hmm. need it. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's perfect. Well, that's why I was uh, so impressed. <laughs> I was so impressed with Wade when he uh, showed me his little rubber ducky that he'd managed to uh, get. It would emulate a keyboard, and he had it uh, getting machines into Jamf. And then I showed him Monkey, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I can get it to work for Monkey too." So he had this yeah. little device, and it would just emulate a keyboard, and then just send in a couple of commands, you know. Mm-hmm. Enroll into Jamf, enroll into Monkey, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's you know very clever. I don't think Tim ever expected to be mass producing uh, 3D printed Arduino uh, cases. <laughs> he's a big kid. Like yeah, exactly. He's a big kid. I think it gave him a good excuse to buy like a third 3D printer. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, couldn't yeah. just make his own 3D printer. <laughs> ah, well, well, you need at least one to start with, right? And then. You can get others from there, maybe. Um, so, so yeah, no good stuff. You've mentioned a couple uh, jobs that you've had, a couple different hats. Mm-hmm. How does a journalist become an Apple trainer, become an open source purveyor slash um, enterprise corporate management uh, representative? It's a, it's a long and twisted road. Linda Tripp died. Yes, I thought of you when I saw that. <laughs> Not that you're responsible. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and that, uh, you know, it's a good lead in, but it deserves some explanation. We can't just leave that hanging there. Um, so, yes, I uh, classically trained journalist uh, from the University of Illinois. I've got a degree in journalism, which my parents thought was, uh, and they'll probably listen to this and they may get a little upset when I say this, but uh, mom knows it's true. She was not excited about me getting a journalism degree and had uh, no great belief that it was going to be lucrative or even, you know, responsible, right? Not even making money, but just not even being able to support myself or anything else. And my three older brothers, uh, my father, were all engineers of some form or another. And so they had wanted me to go into engineering. And I probably because she wanted me so much to go into engineering, I did not want to do that. It was the last of, of four boys. And so the last thing I wanted to do was kind of follow in those same footsteps. And uh, photography had always been very interesting to me. Uh, but a photography degree seemed, in hindsight, even less useful than a journalism degree. <laughs> Apologies to anyone with fine arts degrees. I think they're great things. Thank uh, you, English major here. There, there you go. <laughs> But you understand maybe uh, your your ability in some of those uh, art topics is not really defined by a piece of paper, right? So, Correct. Um, 
so went through the journalism uh, degree, which was, which was kind of fun. And it was great because, and, and my wife who has two master's degree and some certificates and some other things always got mad at this. Uh, but I never wrote a paper. I didn't have to do a 15 page paper with a bibliography. I, I wrote articles. So we'd go out and we'd interview people and then you'd write an article about it. And sometimes you'd write, you know, a couple, three or four of them, but it wasn't nearly the same level of, you know, three months worth of work and footnotes. Sounds rigorous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I had moved out to uh, uh, my, my wife. We weren't married at the time, but uh, this is, uh, we met at 16 and have been yeah, anyway. That's, that's um, so time has no meaning. Time has no meaning. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Uh, she had gotten into American university out in Washington, DC. And uh, I was working at a newspaper up in Michigan. And uh, she said, well, if, if we're going to stay together where we should be together, we hadn't been, we'd been long distance for two, three years more than that. Um, and so I said, well, I got nothing better going on. So I moved to DC, um, took around a portfolio full of slides uh, to a variety of news agencies and, uh, you know, got kind of turned away at the door a lot. And so oh, we got a lot of photographers in DC. We'll call you. Uh, later on that day, uh, my pager rang because uh, that's what we had back then, right? Uh, pager. Kids, uh, today, <laughs> this was a phone that didn't have audio. <laughs> Just digits. Just digits. I was excited because I had had 800 number Skytel. Uh, and those were those were pretty cool back in the day. Uh, but I got a page. I went out. I did some work. And uh, my inroads in the DC press corps was all because of Monica Lewinsky. So this is roping it back to Linda Tripp. Um, and because Monica had come onto the scene, I mean, wow, what a, what a concept that politics was so much different back then. Um, because of Monica on the scene, all the photographers were off doing Monica things. So I picked up a lot of the slack on some of the more boring, you know, press conferences on Capitol Hill and things like that. Um, and worked my way up over a course of a year and a half to um, doing stakeouts. Uh, I was in front of, uh, what was his, Charles Ruff, I think was his name. He was the White House lawyer. And uh, I had to stake out his house starting at 4.30 in the morning uh, because of it was a, one of the depositions that day. And so I'm hanging out of my car with a bunch of cameras around me, things like that. And his wife came out like in a kind of a nightgown to collect the newspaper wasn't expecting to see me there. It was kind of awkward. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, much better stories than photos uh, that happened there. But yes, Linda Tripp, Monica Lewinsky. But after about two years of that, I was kind of like, mm, this really isn't that interesting. Um, taking a lot of old white men in suits behind podiums. Um, and then another event happened that probably a lot of people have already forgotten. But Elian Gonzalez, um, he was a seven, eight years old uh, in his, he was Cuban and his mom had put him on a raft and they had gone from Cuba to Florida and his mom died along the way. His dad was still in Cuba. His parents were divorced, estranged or whatever else. And so he gets to America and uh, they were going to, I guess at the time we had a policy. If you landed, if you had dry feet, then you got to stay. Um, and so he was going to be kept in the U S and get citizenship or whatever else naturalized. But then his father wanted him back. So there's all this kind of controversy and everything else. Ended up, very famous photo uh, of a uh, INS agent with an MP5 finger, not on the trigger, but very close to it, grabbing Elian Gonzalez out of a closet um, in the dead of night. And when that happened, I got a phone call uh, where I had to drive out to Andrews Air Force Base 
where uh, Air Force One usually takes off. It was a big Air Force base outside of Washington, D.C. And Elian was being brought up there. And so myself and about 30 or further, 40 other people from the um, press corps were standing out in a light rain in front of Andrews Air Force Base. And uh, two or three Broncos, white Broncos, not OJ, uh, but white Broncos drove by after like six hours of nothing. And the windows were all dark, so we couldn't see, but it looked somewhat official. Everybody got photos. And uh, we all turned to each other and we said, uh, well, was that alien? And uh, somebody said, well, if it was, we can go home. <laughs> but <laughs> everybody here has to believe it was alien, have to tell everybody else it was alien. And if anyone stays, we all have to stay. So we kind of looked at each other for a little bit and we're like, yeah, that was alien <laughs> and we're going home. And that's where kind of the dream of journalism died. <laughs> Not that, um, you know, that wasn't the right thing to do, but just that that wasn't what I got into that for. I was, I was hoping to have, you know, an artistic experience and to do some cool things and to take cool photos. And along the way I did. But then there got to be this kind of drudgery to it and um, things that just weren't as exciting. So from there, you know, it always been handy with the Mac. Um, you know, as a photographer, you kind of had to be certainly at that time, maybe a little less now. Um, and as a photographer, you were usually on your own. You would go to these events, um, high school football games, whatever else. And you'd have to, you know, at the time we would bring out... Um, you know, chemistry, right? C41 for color film. And you'd have to mix all these chemicals, keep them warm. And then you'd take the negative and put it on a scanner and scan it in. And um, so I'd always been using Max for a long time. And so uh, my my uh, darling bride said it would probably be a great idea if I got a job in that um, industry. And I, I very clearly lied my way into my first job. Um, so, sorry, Christian and Glenn, you may be listening as well. Uh, thank you for all the <laughs> experiences over the time, but you know, SMTP survey, yeah, I know what that is. Pop three. Yeah, I can do pop three. That's not a problem at all. Um, and this was back in OS nine days, right? Cause we're looking at very early two thousands. Uh, but from there it was, you know, it was really cool. It was, it was cool to be able to use a lot of kind of that artistic and problem solving brain that I had as a photographer and how to take the photo and how to line up all the things and make the light right and make sure you've got the exposure and everything else and kind of apply that to different things. And so from there, it just kind of went through. And, um, you know, one of the things uh, early in the 2000s, I should actually look 2001, 2002, I think in the who is record, it still says this. Uh, so it started AFP 548, right? Uh, which nobody even knows. Nobody gets that joke anymore, right? Uh, <laughs> knock, uh, knock. <laughs> Apple filing protocol runs on port 548. I don't do, I, I mean, Matt, you're probably more engaged in people doing file serving than I am anymore. Is, is Some AFP people are still hanging on to AFP protocol. Um, I know Apple's switched over to SMB, which, yeah. I mean, hell froze over a couple times at Apple, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like Matt, with, with a lot of what you're doing around video and things like that, it's all turned into iSCSI or, you know, I used to action. run iSCSI SANS for a couple of clients with some hardware, but I've always been an XN person and I still run XN. I mean, that was the big announcement when. Uh, I don't have a lighter with me, but I, I would light it and hold it up for you. Eric <laughs> Zelenka was like, Matt, it's going to be free. <laughs> 10.7 XN, XN $1,000 client has been 
built, you know, bundled with OS 10 for free and been using it ever since. Mm-hmm. But the the big thing was in my visual effects days, they all went to 10 gig. And now yeah. finally with my uh, VFX, uh, with my editors, they're moving over to 10 gig as well. So okay. using a lot of different uh, products for 10 gig. And I got a client that's a uh, Final Cut uh, Studio and 10 gig NFS, though you can also do SMB. But I like NFS better. And NFS is fast enough and, you know. Yeah, it didn't work at first or for a long time. And then talked to some Final Cut people and they said, yeah, we fixed it. I'm like, how'd you fix it? It's like, oh, we just made it wait longer. (laughs) Because big thing with latency when you're playing out to a tape or capturing, because there was tapes at a certain point, is that you drop a frame and then you're effed. You're done. Um, So now there's no more tapes, but also just you make it wait a little bit longer. Um, But it's not really apparent to anyone. And um iSCSI and Fiber Channel are built so that the packets go in order all the time. Mm-hmm. They're not made to go in order, so you just got to make the bandwidth like an American highway. You got to make it bigger and bigger and bigger all the time and hope that things... That was subtle. Different. That was a subtle... <laughs> nice dig. Uh, yeah, like nice the imperial dig. highway system <laughs> measured in Fahrenheit <laughs> per miles per second. Um, I've seen your tweets about what happened to your car, so I get it. I, I, mean, squirrels, I don't think you're... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> We had uh, uh, our our son. Uh, we had a little SUV kind of thing, and uh, when he when he was born, we had a car seat in the back seat, right? And uh, a couple of years after that, we went to trade in the car, and so we removed the car seat for the first time in like since we'd owned the car. And underneath his car seat was a rip in the seat. And living in the foam had been a mouse that was eating off the Cheetos, Cheerios, <laughs> and other things that were being passed off by this car seat. I mean, it was kind of grody in retrospect, but like one of the smartest things a mouse could do. Because I'm sure that mouse just sat under that car seat getting fat every day without having to move. I mean, heaven for a mouse, right? Um, but yeah, so I understand small rodent animals and uh, cars and some of the damage they can do. Living off the fat of the land. <laughs> um so all right where were we uh afp548 that's where i met you Macworld, and going to those afp548 yeah. gatherings slash parties, parties were cool with group logic read and some of those yeah fun. and um, yeah your cohort yeah. josh who josh and went josh. to apple yep. and then went to join you at uh, not true source, but Orchard and Grove. What was the right Orchard name? And Grove. Orchard and Grove. And then now he's joined you once again. Uh, yeah, now now he's a jam. Well, when you start a company, right, you've got to come up with a fun name. So uh, we we tried to find something that sounded professional but wasn't already copyright encumbered. And so uh, you know, all the good well, names are gone. You managed to to create this Nomad product mm-hmm. and then start a company with it. Yep. No, that that worked out very well. Uh, we still, I was hoping that the Apple new single sign-on extension, maybe look at me, I'm returning it back to maybe what the topic Ooh. is. Oh, masterful. Um, I was hoping that the Apple single sign-on extension would be uh, maybe uh, have higher uptake because whenever I go do some of these sessions lately at uh, some of the conferences, you know, raise of hands who's still using Nomad and um, amazingly, it's, a, it's an amazing amount, which kind of boggles my mind a little bit. Because uh, I was hoping that the Apple built-in things would would do it, and that I wouldn't have to keep uh, doing bug fixes and other things yet. But, uh, but that's not the Is case. Is anyone using it? 
Um, the built-in one, uh, not maybe. Not Honestly, maybe. until you just mentioned, it, I forgot that it was there. That they'd mentioned it, and then the WWCs my clients are still using Nomad to get those Kerberos tickets. <laughs> well, and that's the thing that we found is that mm -hmm. I think the built-in stuff is nice, but it was not well documented early on, and so it what? kind of lost. That I never happens with Apple. Documentation, documentation, documentation. Um, so that I think kind of lost it some very, uh, early kind of press or impetus behind it. And I, and I just, I'm bringing up Slack, the Mac admin Slack right now. And we have almost, uh, th we have 3,119 people in the nomad channel. Um, and I think that puts me into monkey territory, right? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You mean 30,000 people in the monkey channel <laughs> bite your tongue. <laughs> well, you can, you can look at the stats, right? So I'm going to go. Oh, you are a man of science. You're a man of science. <laughs> um, and I was going to, how do I get there? Everything's changed. Uh, monkey has two mailing lists. Monkey has two mailing them. lists. I saw that cross-posted uh, in the Slack channel. They're like, this was answered on the mailing list. Go back there. <laughs> <laughs> Go back there. Why are you still here? Someone had actually joined the monkey dev list to ask a question about their university having shut down, but they're trying to download something from monkey, but the connection to their university is not working, or maybe they took the machine home or something and no one's answering. And this person managed to sign up to the monkey dev list which is not the monkey discuss list or the Slack means monkey channel <laughs> to ask about why monkey wasn't working for them. And Greg is politely saying, this is the monkey development channel, not the we're helping you at your university channel that maybe not helping you. Well, we occasionally had that with nomad, especially when we were a uh, kind of a third party on our own, we would have, I remember one time, I, th I think it was a student, but trying to masquerade as a parent that had reached out saying brilliant admin has put uh, nomad on my machine and i want it to go away how can how can you make this happen and i was like oh my this is i i don't know if it's cool or <laughs> <laughs> diabolical but um yeah it was uh, it was interesting that you'd get some of those so yeah i i kind of get that um uh, but yeah so i've been amazed at how many people are still in the nomad channel that are still using Nomad. Um, and I think, you know, functionally, the Apple one does some good stuff. It, you know, Kerberos tickets are not rocket science anymore. Uh, but it does, uh, it's not brandable. And that's one of the things that you want, um, you know, especially, you know, if you're going to put it in your menu bar uh, and you're going to try and make it not look like phishing. Uh, you want it to be kind of customized. You want it to be very familiar to the users that it feels comfortable, that it feels right to be able to put their username and password into this. And I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest advantages that uh, that Nomad still has overall uh, of, of what's built in is that you've got that functionality, you've got that adaptability uh, and that you can do a lot more things with it. Like, you know, DEP notify was, uh, something I had just done for an Austin Mac admins meetup. And I was kind of like, oh, this is really cool. I'm really enjoying Swift. And this is really great. You should do this. And uh, now it's become this tool used. I mean, there's like 1,500 people in that Slack channel uh, for doing all kinds of things from, uh, you know, onboarding systems to uh, just kind of general notifications. So it's really cool to see where people can take some of these products. Uh, they're really kind of fun and interesting things that they can do with them. Uh, but to stay slightly on topic for the single sign-on extensions, so this will be a preview of my exciting Mac DevOps uh, talk. 
conversation. Uh, I don't know. We we'll have to. Yeah. Are, are we going to do it live with like uh, like a hundred people uh, on a WebEx? Uh, you haven't got that far, probably in your plan. <laughs> We've been discussing multiple things, and uh, yes, whether we do it live or pre-recorded with discussions. I think live is definitely daring enough. It brings me back to the spirit of when I started MacDevops, and I had no oh, idea yeah. what I'm doing. I want to. Oh, yeah, I'm down for live. I, yeah. I am down for live. Pre-record yeah. some of the other ones. That's fine. Uh, we're, we yeah. should. Do. I uh, think I was toying with the idea of panels or just some way to get the interaction, like mm-hmm. between a couple people. So maybe someone can start it five, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. You know, if you're Joel, 30 minutes, you talk, you know, you tell your story and then we get some interaction from yep. some host, and then uh, launch into questions and discussion. We can have, we have time for Q and a schedule is much more flexible. Well, you don't have passing time anymore, right? Because you don't have to worry about clearing out the room and everybody taking bio breaks because technically they could be taking bio breaks while you're talking. <laughs> there was a certain Zoom that somebody was talking about on Twitter that someone had that a phone with them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. My daughter just showed me they, they, they record all the Zooms for their school because now they're all sure. online. And some kid is just listening on purpose or not on purpose to memes and whatever videos. And they're just blasting it to the entire channel. And the teacher's like, uh, hello, we hear you. Try to be in the class. You're in the Zoom. Like, <laughs> And then now it's recorded for everybody. And my daughter had to tell everybody that all the Zooms were, were being recorded. So they should not use the chat. Like the, they're using Microsoft Teams oh, and don't yeah. record. Don't work. And so they're all on some side Instagram channel. Now I've just They've read got my a, daughter. Oh, is, is Instagram have chat? Um, hmm. It does. Apparently, according to my daughter, <laughs> she knows. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that tips my hand. Yeah. And the messages, you can have like a whole group of people talking. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. So interesting. Oh, yeah. All the side hustles now moved into other channels. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a that's a handy kind of like I don't know if that's necessarily a back door, but maybe it's a side door. <laughs> wow, well, you shouldn't be smack talking in the public MS Teams or Zooms chat. You should, oh yeah, you're, oh, you're I mean, a silly teenager. If we're going to prepare them for office life in the 21st century, <laughs> they have to understand the side group chat that's private. <laughs> Very important. The invite only. <laughs> exactly. And that once a month you forget which chat you're in and you have to quickly do some editing because um, you've got too many chat windows. Oh, we could do a Mystery Science 3000 side chat channel for Mac DevOps where we have just people bad mouthing, no, talking. Um, since you're talking about mailing lists, so the Mac Enterprise, right? Oh, yes. It's still alive. It's still there, right? But Mac Enterprise used to have a steering committee. Yes, and I saw some of the old articles by Greg, Mac Enterprise steering member. Exactly. And, you know, because I think, and somebody will correct me here, you'll get angry notes, but that's that's what we're here for, right? We're here to incite yes. controversy and, uh, and interaction. So uh, I think the Mac Enterprise group at one time was getting some sort of funding from Apple, or at least they were, Apple was bringing the steering committee into Cupertino on a regular basis to talk about large organizational needs, particularly in in education and how Apple could do better with that. Cool stuff. Um, So I attended one of their committee meetings and it was really cool because there was a live audio. It was like dial in, you know, do, 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 and uh, connect at the time. There was like some sort of Google docs uh, page where they were taking minutes 
So as you were listening to the audio, you could see the minutes being created as they went through. And then it was like either an IRC channel or like sub ether edit or something like that. Right. Oh, sub ether. That was so cool. <laughs> there was a third conversation happening, which was all the snide remarks and the other thing. So it was all business on the audio channel. It was notes with some light commentary on the Google Docs page. And then all the crap that would have otherwise derailed the conversation went on in this IRC channel. But it was great because you could have like your three layers of engagement were all there. If you wanted to be very formal and, you know, I, I second this motion and I uh, agree that we should, you know, whatever. Uh, you, you could have that in one, you could have the official notes and then you could have all these other things. And it was, it was kind of, it was overwhelming sensorily, sensorily. Uh, in a sensory aspect. Sincerely. Sincerely. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was overwhelming from having so many feeds coming in at the same time. Uh, but it was kind of a cool way of managing all that. And for someone like myself with ADHD and, you know, uh, uh, very, very small attention spans to things I'm not excited about, I was easily able to uh, transition to some of that. So that was kind of cool. So I, I could easily see that, like right at Mac DevOps, we would have the... A session going on IRL um, you would have the live stream going out over YouTube because you're very good about that or near live stream right I think you live stream some of it was been live stream yeah, last year yeah um, and then there's of course a slack channel with you know all the kind of color commentary and the other silliness going on in there and it's a nice way of keeping it without you know creating a level of noise in the conference room or something else like that to be able to you know because uh, people are going to do that, right? So give them an actual legitimate outlet and let it know it's okay uh, to have those kind of conversations and go down those rat holes. Uh, but you don't have to necessarily take over the uh, entire room's time if you don't want to. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, we're going to need some responsible adults to be the uh, referees or the color commentators. Uh... Not, not it. Well, responsible adult, that's... That's a lot to ask. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the that's Statler, Statler, and Waldorf, the uh, characters on the Muppet Show that were offering commentary. We need. Uh, well, now you get back to your MST3K kind of references. <laughs> well, and that could be fun, right? Because you could have like for hackathons. I always thought it'd be fun to do like live coding with commentary. Um, you know what did I see? It was uh, I don't know on on the Twitters. Uh, there was like a rugby commentator. They're all out of work because nobody's playing. Oh, right. And he was commentating something, right? Yeah, like just people walking down the street. Oh, was it the two dogs playing in the water? Well, we I saw, I saw something like that. Maybe there's a number <laughs> of these, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's he's walking towards the podium. Is he going to go left? Maybe he's going to go right. Oh, no, he's picked up the remote. This is going to be an amazing presentation. <laughs> I think a, a live hackathon, live coding could be amazingly successful because we interviewed someone recently uh, who's saying he was really inspired by just sitting at table with people working on stuff. And that really inspired them to want to contribute, to want to connect and want to learn. And I think if we can have people coding and working on a couple of different projects and people can ask each other questions while they're doing it, that could be interesting. I mean, no, I, I like that very much. And I think it's a positive way of, of turning what is, you know, obviously some, some very awful stuff that's happening out there, uh, but, you know, making the best of it as we can and, uh, you know, using that power for good um, to be able to do some of this, which is, and, and, I, and I know, like having talked to a few people 
there's there's so many overwhelming things going on right now. Um, there's a lot kind of pressuring in and we've got a ways to go, right? Um, but it's really cool to be have that creative outlet. Um, and, you know, when I get into Xcode, it's a thousand percent escapism. You know, there's a little bit of, hey, this would be really cool to do it. There's a lot of, oh my gosh, I just need some place where I, I can control things. Uh, there's no outside stimulus. I know when I write a line of code, the compiler will tell me if it works or not, but, but that's it, right? It's a very manageable, um, you know, expected input, expected output uh, kind of environment. And that definitely is one of the reasons why I've been excited to have some of these kind of science projects and things like that to work on just from a mental health perspective. Uh, to be able to have something that you can kind of get away, kind of forget about some of this and, you know, kind of focus on creating things, right? Because that's one of the things that's probably going to be few and far between going forward is the creation of new things, right? The excitement around, oh my God, this is really cool. We can now do this. And so putting that back into there, I think is really cool. Would, would love to talk about ways that we can kind of put that into a virtual hackathon, um, you know, and obviously get something useful out of it that we can give to the community and we can help people. I think there's probably, like I mentioned earlier with, you know, some of the stuff Tim had been doing, I think there's a lot of more remote work focused projects and things like that than have probably ever been done before. Um, because, you know, just, eh, we'll get around to it one time. And, and now there's kind of a sense of urgency in a lot of this. Um, yeah, I've been setting up all my video teams that used to be on site on prem with sans to all remote mm -hmm. post lab, which is like a basically a GitLab. It's basically GitLab for Final Cut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, so uh, check in, check out, and you can move your XML, move your projects, and well, and you know when this is all over, and knock on wood, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later. I I think fundamentally the way we work as a world will have changed as we go forward. Uh, based upon some of these things. And so, well, there's a deep, intense need to communicate and to be social. Mm -hmm. We, we rally around Mac admin Slack, like we had on the Mac OS 10 server list, then Mac enterprise where we rallied on AFP 548. There's a group and a gathering of these people that everybody is so helpful and so generous that I'm doing Mac DevOps to help people come together. And that's the only reason we're doing it is to try and, help me learn some stuff that I should already know. No, help everyone learn. <laughs> Definitely. And, and, you know, good on you for doing that. Thanks for, for supporting the community in that way. Uh, but no, this is, you know, exactly. This is, you know, the one thing, and, you know, we've said this over the years and at various uh, conferences and things like that. I mean, the Mac community seems to have a very unique uh, welcoming and, um, you know, working together kind of vibe to it that I think some of the other technology communities don't have. Uh, it's very rare to run across um, too much, you know, flame wars and those kinds of things. It's just, it's not that they're not there, but you just don't see them as much. And it's, it's always, you know, brought a little tear to my eye about how well that community can work. And it certainly made me proud and, uh, you know, honored to be a part of that community and, and helping and, and trying to give back as we can. Uh, so yeah, no, that's, that's huge. And I think there is some, you know, again, trying to make as much good come out of this as possible is kind of doing some of these things. And, uh, and I mean, also, you know, very important, take care of yourself. Yeah. Uh, the mental health code and things like that. I mean, we're hoping to help other people by demystifying things that seem too complicated or too complex. And mm -hmm. that's why we appreciated you doing that Swift workshop. And maybe we need a Swift 2.0 short workshop sure. to help 
or something before the hackathon, but just helping people get into something they thought was maybe too difficult. Maybe Xcode isn't escapism for everyone, and maybe we need to help people get into Swift and Xcode and and jumpstart their next hack. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it it certainly, um, and it, it's probably good. It'd be a good happy hour conversation around kind of things that have changed, right? Because I did that Swift kind of introduction to Swift about two or three years ago. Was that 2017 or 18 that we're thinking? I think it was 17 or uh, I have two to three years ago. We'll, we'll <laughs> leave it at that. Um, and, you know, my, my thought process has changed somewhat since then. Uh, but then at the same time with Python going away, um, the need for sign. I mean, migrating to version three. Migrating to version three. It's, it, but, but it's not in the OS, right? You've got to bring your own. It's not gone yet. Well, it's still 2.7 in the OS. But I think Apple has made it very clear that don't expect it to be there. But responsible adults use relocatable Python and bring their own. Well, so at that point, why not learn a new language? You know, you got some time here. <laughs> but certainly with the you know, increased uh, focus on signed binaries and things like that. That's where, uh, you know, interpreted languages such as Python start to get a little bit more complicated. Not that you can't have signed Python binaries and things. I'm sure you can. I don't know how you do that. Uh, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, but certainly with Swift, and I had at first, if you talked to me like three or four years ago, I remember like doing my first Swift session in Sweden. And I was like, this is, you're going to, put down bash. You're never going to shell script again. You're going to write in Swift. I don't know that work out. I don't think <laughs> um, that that's not because I don't think Swift is very functional. Cause of course it is. I spend most of my day writing Swift, um, but it is not necessarily a shell script replacement by any means. Um, if you know what you're doing uh, for me, like I haven't written a line of bash in a number of years because I've got Xcode and, well, chances are most things that I want to do from like a command line perspective, I've already written code for in one of the various projects that I've worked on. So it's very easy to take this chunk of relatively complicated code and then use it in a standalone binary. So I, I don't know what replaces that. Um, I, I don't know. Are you still shell scripting, Matt? Do you? Definitely. Um, and actually, to be honest, uh, building quick little automator apps for clients and yeah. I can sign them and notarize them, but depending on who's using it, if it's a simple little tool, then that's where I go and I'm shell scripting. I'll occasionally use other people's Python, but I never, I never got into other it. My excuse was, Python. Oh, this 2.7 to three migration. I'll see where it hap what happens JD with it. You know, that, <laughs> JD is all onto Python. You, well, no, you, my, I had a little joke in there that maybe you'll take out in nope. editing. Um, but uh, I got a giggle out of, out of JD. I can see that on the video, so I was excited. Uh, anyway, I've interrupted you completely. You had a very cogent, um, non-tangential, uh, uh, and, and now you can't even remember it. I, my apologies. <laughs> I've, I've scripted a little bit in Swift, uh, but my, my struggle there was that Apple didn't include the, the runtime library yep. uh, until, what, 14? 10, 14, or so. Till the like ABI. That. Yeah, till the ABI was done. Yeah, which came later. So you're right. It was, it was kind of hard to do Swift scripting. And if you are using the REPL, the runtime, whatever. Right. I, I just call it a REPL. Uh, Josh Reptile. What it, well, REPL, runtime it, it, environment. Four-letter acronyms. We don't, 
don't care about those. What they actually yeah, exactly. Uh, again, Josh would tell you what it means, but that's you can have him on and talk to him about that. Um, uh, but you, it won't be signed, right? So you still got to right. get back to a signed binary, which is kind of you know one of the major attractions. Which means you're not really doing Swift scripting anymore. You're actually in Xcode doing compilation and things like that. But Automator is a cool outlet, right? Um, Automator yeah. is still very functional. I, I just had to sign an Automator app that I sent to a client because they were stuck on Xfinity Wi-Fi, so I couldn't walk <laughs> them through the instructions to get off of it, except to kill it. I'd give a shout out to SD Notary. I think is the app. It's mm-hmm. from, they're from. Victoria, I think in uh, BC here in Canada, they built a really nice app that helps you sign, notarize, and I also figured it out in the command line, but it was a really nice app when I was trying to figure out the whole notarization thing. I was just trying to figure out what part I was doing wrong, and I was actually using the wrong signature. That's, uh, <laughs> that's more complicated than it should be. Yeah, but once you got it settled, it can do it in command line, or this SD Notary app is really nice, but yeah, Automator is just super quick, Like especially if I can use shell scripting or Python or anything, and then just give a nice little GUI or it's really quick for our services. Oh, just right click and you'll have this available to you to yep. do whatever you need to do. Yeah, no, that, that is very cool. Cause we've, we've had to do a fairly robust uh, notarization kind of through a lot of our build systems for a loop um, because it's not instantaneous, right? You know, when you do a compilation out of Xcode, you run, you know, the Xcode command line tools and things like that. But when they're done, they're done and you've got something. Uh, but with notarization, you had to put all this kind of weighting and polling into your build uh, automation because you don't know. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it's a lot longer. It's not been bad lately, uh, but there's certainly been times when, you know, or you forget to sign into the dev portal and click the box that you agree to the new terms and uh, then mm. nothing worked for a while. And you don't know why. Um, why would so you, you put, put an alert for the right? return message that you know you need to go reauthorize why, why would you do that? Why, why would you do that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the brave new world we're in. Right. But, uh, but I think Swift is more approachable than it ever is. Um, and, and this is the thing, you know, we did um, at Penn state a couple years ago, we had done a series of hack nights and they actually just turned into not so much hack nights, but uh, educational uh, evening events. Uh, and we had one on Swift, and a lot of people was very excited. And we had uh, some folks from Collide uh, did one on Go because I'm very actually very interested in Go. Go has got a lot of similarities to uh, Swift from a language perspective and the strong typing and things like that. Um, and I, it seemed interesting. And I, I had done, I think Matt, it was for Mac DevOps. I had rewritten two or three projects: one in from Bash, one in Go, one in Python. I think something from Graham Gilbert that he had written in maybe Python. Uh, and I'd rewritten them in Swift to just kind of give you an apples and oranges comparison. And one of them was Go, and it was pretty easy to read Go uh, and convert it to Swift. But the thing that really kind of lost it for me is that uh, there's no UI aspects to it, right? Mm. And so much of what I do now, while there's still some command line tools, the vast majority is actual interfaces where a user is interacting a lot of them recently with a lot of the OpenID Connect and FIDO things, they have some sort of web form that's in there that you've got to plug in. And uh, it's, you know, it would be almost impossible to do from something like Go or Python without adding in a whole lot of other things on top of it. And, you know, I've got the luxury of the only platform I really care about are Apple platforms, you know, iOS or, or the Mac. Uh, and so Swift UI is actually quite intriguing to me. 
because um, while I like using UI and, and interacting with the user and having more than just a command line tool, I hate actually coding UI. Um, it's really annoying. My UIs don't look that good because it shows that I don't like it. Um, but the Swift UI stuff is actually very interesting in that you can, you know, write your entire thing in code um, and then have it just kind of compile in front of your eyes. So it's a, it's a really interesting kind of paradigm on a lot of this. Um, and I think may help a lot of these, um, you know, some of the projects as we're going forward, things like that. Well, we look forward to your short info information session on Swift UI, Swift coding. Certainly and uh, signing and notarization, the four-hour-long session. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know that I'll get into signing and notarization. That makes my head hurt. And I'd probably say some things that would not be very flattering uh, to anybody. But yeah, but I am, and you know, we, we keep scratching on this, but uh, I, I would like very much to show off my single sign-on extension. And, and since that's ostensibly the topic and we're previewing that, um, some cool things with thing, single sign-on extensions have in that Microsoft actually has a public preview of theirs available, but you, you wouldn't be remiss for not having seen it because you have to really dig deep into their MSAL library to find it. And then Okta, although I don't know that they really made a big deal about this, uh, they have a thing coming called FastPass uh, end of the year, and that's their single sign-on extension. Um, so now, and the sad thing is, it's like a year after WWDC, right? It's, it's April. Right, a quarter of the way through April, uh, WWDC was just about 10 or 11 months ago. And we're now starting to finally see the single sign-on extensions that came out from that. Maybe um, it took that long to find the Apple single sign-on sort of. Well, if you were still looking for the documentation, you're still looking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't changed. Uh, but uh, hopefully I'll have a, a complete, we did uh, our own single sign-on extension specifically for ADFS. And I can give him some reasons why that is, but uh, it was it was actually a lot of fun, uh, and I now know how I would do it differently. Uh, <laughs> Words of wisdom from Joel. As with all good projects, <laughs> as with all good projects, right? Uh, but there are some cool, I, and and I've maybe done some things that uh, you know kind of roped in AWS with the uh, API gateway, and I think I've done either some clever things or some really naughty things. Um, I was trying to see if I could get some bug bounties for them, but I don't know that they would qualify. Um, so anyway, little this that's just a little uh, very ambiguous teaser uh, for what's going to be an amazing session. Um, and you don't even have the schedule yet, do you? So I can't even like pitch. Well, the talks are listed with the speakers, but yeah, no exact schedule. Which gives 10 a.m. on June 7th. You know, <laughs> I think it would be uh, June 11th. Yeah. All right, all right. It was, okay, was you got the slot. You just created the 10 a.m. June 11th. You heard it here, folks. The schedule is writing itself. <laughs> and and you, you you join the uh, uh, the conference, and uh, we'll have great things. We'll do some live cooking. Um, we'll, uh, we'll show you off some of the stuff, and uh, yeah, hopefully awesome. give you a much better understanding of uh, kind of how the pieces fit together, uh, which is which is something that I enjoy. Well, when you know nothing, you can only learn a lot more. So um, look forward to hearing all about it. Wonderful. No, I'm Let's very excited. And uh, Matt, uh, I, I give you my commitment that uh, if you're interested, let's work on uh, maybe some cool ways we could do some sort of joint hackathon or something. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. It was really fun when you uh, did it. It was 2018, I think. So. Yeah, and, and how we can kind of do this virtually and, you know, get some good out of this as we go along this. Somebody point a camera on Tim and then point one on yourself. And then we'll just... 
Well, it, it would always be cool to, you know, live. I, I always thought, I don't know, maybe this is perverse, but, you know, watching something. <laughs> How are they gonna well, do I think it? there's whole networks of watching people game and people watch YouTube videos of people playing with toys. So what's worse than watching people code? Yeah, I mean, maybe there is a, you know, uh, no kink shaming here. If, uh, you know, <laughs> what you want. You are the Tiger King of Xcode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't watched that show, but I don't know that that's a compliment. <laughs> my, I, I may have shown some clips to my kids and they are aghast. And I just said, welcome to America. <laughs> it's, it's big uh, it's awesome is the first step a sub etha edit version of xcode so you can yeah. have multiple people well, they, editing you have this pair programming thing i've never done it i don't I mean right you know, oh. we, we learned about it in school way way back in the day when like oop was just coming out back yeah to other reference i i don't know that xcode is necessarily well suited for this but there's this concept of pair programming where you would have like a shared google doc and you'd have two people editing the same code at the same time um i i don't see how that would be very functional that's like a i would just be correcting thing. all of my spelling mistakes typos <laughs> One particular company, I'm not going to, I wasn't really supposed to be in this room, so I'm not going to say who it was, but they actually have like whole desk setups where there's one mm -hmm. screen mm -hmm. and then like they kind of talk through coding together, um, which I found really, really interesting. D uh, does, it, does it work? Apparently it does. They had like a whole section dedicated to this. And this is like a pretty big company. Um, I, I am not convinced by popular women. <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess it worked for certain personalities, maybe. Sure. You know, I doesn't agree with everyone, but yeah. I thought that was really crazy. I saw that and I was like, wow, that's actually a thing. People are doing that. It's cool. I mean, <laughs> I like the concept of the interaction, right? And that's one of the things that I think is so hard in, in given current events is that you want to bounce these things off somebody, right? You want to go to somebody and say, hey, look, look what I did. Um, and without having that, you know, you know, being six feet away from everybody, it makes that a little bit complicated. So, eh, well, we need sanity yeah. checking and to keep that two meter distance from another person, <laughs> um, <laughs> the sanity checking, uh, I mean, the old days and the before times I used to hire people just to help me on jobs because I, w I like to talk out loud and I wanted another mm -hmm. human to either make it look like I'm not crazy talking out loud and yep. I catch myself saying something, I'm going to plug this into that. And then I'm like, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't do that. There's another human at least standing there. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's not a good idea. Yeah, no, exactly. Right. And especially when you live in your own world and you don't have that sanity check, you can end up going down. Maybe we should try it. We could do some pair programming for hack night, get a partner and uh, yeah. we can do it virtually. No, I work. I, I'm interested. I'm in. I pick Shana. That's <laughs> <laughs> really cool Java programs. Yeah, Java you. programming. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> it was what I was learning in school. And I was like, oh my God, why? Object oriented programming. No. So it was good. It was good. Second second part of that course coming soon, actually. So cool. About that. Please teach us. <laughs> oh yeah, it's totally useful. <laughs> I don't know if I was in IT because I, I'm attracted to fires or I'm in IT and there's, everything's always on fire, but it just seems like 
shell scripting and running after very quick solutions is all I do new, you know, it's like, Oh, have a problem to fix, fix as quickly. Actually, as you're an arsonist is what it is. Maybe the fires aren't following you. No, I think there'd be a lot of cool things that we could do there. I mean, we've got an opportunity with, um, you know, are, are you looking at more people or, or less? Uh, or the audience doesn't matter now, right? It doesn't. Uh, and we could we could have more. We just get people to sign up and we could assign them partners or people could come with a partner and we could try and get people to work together that way. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. To be explored. To, to be, be explored. tried. Definitely. Don't Definitely. be afraid to fail. Yeah. That's what we have to tell each other all the time. <laughs> We, we have brave. greatly overstayed my welcome, haven't I? We're... It's been lovely seeing you, and now <laughs> you have to say goodbye. Is that, is that dinner? Is that? I, I think I have another WebEx. Uh, <laughs> oh. How do we reach you on the interwebs, Joel? How do we reach you on the interwebs? Um, you can follow my Twitter feed, but I don't think I've tweeted since like a year ago. Um, occasionally somebody will at me. Is that, is that how you say it? <laughs> yes. Okay, me. good. Um, <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, mostly it's, well, I was very active on the Mac admin slack. Um, but you got yourself a real job or something. Well, and then it got a bit overwhelming on the slack. There's, it, it's great to have an open door policy. It's fantastic. Uh, but sometimes the door opens a bit wide. And uh, <laughs> I, I was just getting barraged with a lot of individual questions uh, that were not well suited for sending my way. Real-time uh, help desk support? What? Uh, who would have thought, right? Um, so I've, I've been a little less active. I was pretty excited because I was like in the top three of the Mac admins. I keep wanting to go find out where this freaking Mac admin slack stats page is uh, because it had some interesting things there. Uh, but anyway, since I can't find it, um, I was like in the top three or four, like total posters, like for a year. It was like me, Greg and like uh, Owen Prangle for a while. Um, and I was like, Oh man, this is great. But now I'm, I'm sure I'm like 20,000 out of 30,000. Cause I, I don't show up there as much anymore. So where you can find me is that the Mac DevOps conference. So yes. all of the things you want to ask me or talk about or think about or whatever else you should, you should think about and then bring to Mac DevOps where we can have an amazing time and solve a lot of problems. Look forward to hearing you speak about anything, Joel. Well, thank Especially you very much. Swift, SSO, Shaving. and all things 2020. All Shaving. things 2020. Yes. <laughs> Well, I, I shave, like I said, uh, maybe you won't include that part, uh, but, uh, you know, shave for the first time in 15 years. It's, it's been a, you know, I think there's some perspective there. I well, wanted to say we came... while you were talking yeah, about Shana. Andrew's Air Force Base, I'm actually like steps away from Andrew's Air Force Base right now. Oh, yeah. I live like down the street. So, so I'm in like Fort Washington, which is like. Oh, yeah. We so, looked yeah. for house in Fort Washington for a while. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um yeah. Well, since we're talking about Andrews, I was, uh, I made a lot of money on the death watch. Every time <laughs> Air Force One takes off dark. lands, the Associated Press 
has to have a photographer there. And you're instructed to expose for the fireball. Because if the plane doesn't blow up, a lot of times I didn't <laughs> develop the film. I mean, this is in the film days. So you would be there. You'd be on the tarmac for an hour and a half sucking, you know, jet A fumes. Um, plane would take off. You'd take a few photos. You'd put it in your car. By the time you got home or back to the bureau, the plane had already landed on the other side. Throw away the film. It's useless. However, if the plane never landed, you would have the last photo of the plane, the president, whatever else. Um, Noted. Going there right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would get, I think it was 150 bucks. Oh. Um, to be in the, 1990s money. In 1990s money, yeah, definitely. So, uh, like $20 now. But, uh, uh, you know, $150. And it was great. I mean, especially when you didn't even ship the film. It was great until you thought about it. You're like, I really went to journalism school for this. To uh... <laughs> Now I know how to make quick cash. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm in a pinch. <laughs> well, you're in a pinch. And then you learn things like, uh, well, I, no, I shouldn't say that because that gives away national <laughs> um, But what they do with the helicopters when they fly over. Uh, you can just message me that later. <laughs> All right, definitely, definitely. Cool, cool, cool. Stick around, cool. kids. You're going to learn things you didn't know you wanted to learn. <laughs> cool. JD and Sean. Nothing to do with IT. No, there, there's stuff I know inside DOD, three-letter organizations, that would just, you would roll your eyes so hard. It's, it's oh, amazing. Completely. Also send those in a message. <laughs> cut, cut. I feel my internet is evaporizing. <laughs> You're safe and we're being watched. <laughs> You're safe. This is Zoom. Nobody can access it. Yeah. I had to go to the American Embassy uh, two months ago in the before times, and it was very, very strange. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I had uh, my, uh, you can't really see it. Um, Ouch. Your middle finger? Ooh. Well, my ring finger, ring finger, to be clear, for those of you listening at home, I'm showing Matt my ring finger. <laughs> Um, one of my dogs went for a stick that I was holding and cracked my uh, fingernail in half, Ouch. bleeding all over the place. Really nasty. Um, and it, when I, when we cleaned it off, it looked like maybe she had bitten through. So we said, okay, we had to go to the, uh, the ER, no, the UR, the urgent care, um, whatever's a level above the ER level below the ER. I don't know what you have in Canada. You have doctors. They have healthcare. healthcare. Yeah, you have doctors on every corner in hospitals as far as the <laughs> eye can see. Um, so you go to one of these places and it was really weird because you can't have anybody with you. You have to go in by yourself. Um, they had uh, somebody in full protective gear with, you know, a welder's mask kind of looking thing and everything else on there. And you're like, I'm, my finger's cut. <laughs> I don't have breathing problems. I'm, I'm doing well, but maybe I need a stitch or two. So yeah, it was um, it was a very different experience than the before times. Ouch. Well, we wish you well, and we say goodbye. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for having me on. This has been great, and I look forward to my session on June 11th. I think that's right. You heard it here, folks. The schedule <laughs> yeah, is being yeah. written. Yeah. 10 a.m. Pacific. But please look at the Mac DevOps website before MDOYVR.com. MDOYVR.com before committing to any times. 
<laughs> Definitely you want to come. Around, so. June 11 sounds great to me. 10 a.m. I already got part of the schedule. It's like a puzzle. Beautiful. All right. Well, Thanks. hey, happy to help. Happy to help. Love you, Joel. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Joel. And uh, looking Bye. forward to you again. Bye. Thanks, Peace. Joel. Thanks, JD. Thanks, Shauna. Hi, everyone. I want to thank our amazing sponsors for MacDevOps YVR 2020. Uh, we couldn't do it without your help and support. Our platinum sponsor, Mac Stadium, thank you so much. You helped us last year. You're helping us this year. You're just amazing people to work with. Our gold sponsor, Sauce Labs from Vancouver, uh, thank you so much. Uh, your support means a lot to us. And uh, Simple MDM, our silver sponsor this year. Every year you've been sponsoring us. Uh, thank you so much. Huge shout out to all three. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests and co-hosts. Mac DevOps podcast is a brainchild of Matt X and Chris Johnson. Today's episode was edited by JD Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. Oh, my, my son has come in. Xander, come say hi. 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 <laughs> hi, Xander. Nerds. 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 <laughs>